How is social media affecting the way people listen to and make music? In this episode of Unraveled, producer Andrew Oliphant will help us understand this and the ways digital distribution platforms are shaping the future of the music industry. My name is Efwam Fodjo and this is Unraveled. Music, besides food and language, might be the most defining aspect of culture. Like all art, it brings us together. There's something about music and musicians that seems so relatable, like anyone can do it. So in a world of TikTok and instant gratification, what happens when you decide to make the leap and try to create it? Can anyone do it? My name is Andrew Oliphant. And like many others, music has informed so many of my memories. For me, when I'm listening to a certain song, I can close my eyes and be immediately transported to a specific place or time. I remember when I used to listen to CDs that my brother gave me for Christmas on my Walkman that was held together by tape and rubber bands. I would lie down in my bedroom with the lights off, staring at the -the glow-in-the-dark stars pasted on my ceiling, and I would be taken on a journey that was just for me. But today, like a lot of people... I rarely feel like I have the patience to sit through an entire album. Streaming platforms have given me access to a seemingly infinite amount of music, so why would I want to listen to an album when I can just play all of my favorite songs in a row? So on this episode, I'll be looking at how social media has influenced song releases and listening habits, the rise of the music distributor, and collaborating in the age of Zoom calls and social distancing. I want to see what's changed in the way artists approach making music and how it'll be made in the future. So let's get to it. With around 40,000 songs released on Spotify every day, it can seem nearly impossible to break through as an artist. To find out more, I spoke with an artist trying to make it in today's music scene to see how he's been navigating the competitive landscape. My name's Kalen, uh, my pronouns are he, him, and I play in a band called Best Friend with my friend Stacy. Um, I am a producer and a songwriter, and so too is she. Kalen met his bandmate, Stacy Kim, through a mutual friend, and after DMing each other about some covers they posted on Instagram, they decided to start a band in 2018. The band Best Friend released a new EP in the fall called Places I've Lived. The song you hear now is off that EP. And since then, they've received radio play and have been featured on some prominent Spotify playlists like Indie Pop and Chill and Fresh Finds. And as indie artists, they've used music distributors to push their songs onto prominent playlists. The role of the distributor is changing for sure. Um, it, It used to be that you absolutely needed to have a label in order to get your music in front of almost anyone of consequence. And more so, it seems where we're, where we're kind of going with some of these new distribution platforms is that they're almost like distribution label combinations. They do like, they, they, a lot of them offer label like services without actually 
signing a band on to be some part of like some exclusive retainer label, some sort of thing. Like, oh, we have you for the next five years, this sort of thing. That all this, all of the stuff that we've all heard all the horror stories about. Um, I've noticed that there are definitely a lot of distribution companies who are starting to offer some of those services just with their distribution, which is making it a lot easier for people who aren't on a label or who may not have those immediate like label-like connections to get their music in front of people who might be able to do something with it. And that's a, that's a big thing, is being able to get your track in front of someone who has the, the clout to sort of make something happen with it. And yeah. Playlist chasing has become even more important for the future and longevity of an artist. Bands are reliant on digital service providers or DSPs to put them on their playlists. In terms of like editorial playlists on uh, on DSPs and so like on on your Spotify's and your your Apple Music's and Amazon's, there'll be the playlists that come with them. It's especially a strong ecosystem on Spotify, um, and the artists that get placed on those editorial playlists do extraordinarily well. Usually, they're usually set up for success. They're usually having because there are already hundreds of thousands of people usually who have that playlist saved. So if you're looking for a quick way to success or a quick way to start being recognized by people, you could very easily say to yourself, maybe I want to try and get on one of these playlists. Um, and if you're giving yourself as many kind of tries at that as possible, it would only make sense to put out just a bunch of singles until until you kind of can't have enough support that you could really support uh, a longer release. Best Friend is a band with him and Stacy, who's based out of Vancouver. So on top of them trying to make it as an indie band, They've had to manage to make music from two sides of the country as well. Kaylin and Stacy have been lucky. They've been able to get distributors who've backed their music on Spotify. I think that a lot of our decisions and a lot of the directions that we've tried to go in terms of playlist pitching is that we've really just tried to make sure that we have a strong enough community behind us and we have people who can put our music in places to get seen. Um, and our, for example, like the distributors that we work with have been fantastic for that, have been very good at being able to just reach out to their couple of people and say, Hey, uh, we have these songs going out this week and you should definitely check them out. And even that like one recommendation is enough to make something stand out over like a lake, a whole sea of music that gets submitted all the time. So I think that's where that that's where we kind of had the tides turn for us a little bit was when we could have someone someone del- like hand delivering to to the curators basically. To look at another side of the industry, I wanted to speak to someone who works for a large music label to see if there are any differences in how they approach the release and distribution of new music. Kyla Ma is a visual content producer with Universal Music Canada. She works on the creative team at the record label. She's worked for the company for three and a half years and has helped produce video content for rising stars in the Canadian music scene. Kyla's noticed that the industry's been shifting to the single as well. And even though the artists she works with are signed to a major music label, they still have to go through the same pitching process to Spotify and other DSPs that Kaylin is so used to. It's pitching anything. Basically, it's pitching your song, pitching your artist every single time. It's not like we're ever entitled a playlist. Like, even though we are a, like a massive record label and we have these artists that are established, just because your artist releases a song, Spotify isn't going to see that and be like, yeah, we'll throw it on our playlist unless you're Justin Bieber. Um, so if you're trying to develop someone, it's still very much like, here's our whole marketing plan. Like, 
here's all the stuff we're going to do with this artist. This is the plan for them. This is their main track that we're focusing on. If you're going to put one on a playlist, please promote this one. And this is why and blah, 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 blah. And it's like selling yourself every time. It's It doesn't just come to us, which is something that I was pretty shocked by because I just thought like, I don't know, you send cool music to Spotify and they would want to put it on a playlist. But it's it's still very, I think, for Spotify, like business front just based on my own experience and the artists that I've been working with lately, like it is very much single over album now. And unfortunately, sometimes that kind of means like quantity over quality. And it's um, how do you make the biggest pop song now? Like how do you get on the top forties and all the music is kind of headed in the same direction I find lately. Um, And it's all about those viral hits. So people are finding those, like eight second sound bites in a song and using that to carry out an entire release. Like, I think a great example of someone that's used this up, um, like this pandemic and like the digital world to a crazy extent is Lil Nas X. Hello everyone, it is I, Lil Nas X. It'll bring you some good news. Follow me. Since the release of his 2018 hit Old Town Road, which holds the record for the most weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 charts, Lil Nas X has quickly become one of the biggest names in popular music. Like, he, he's killing it. Like, first off, like, he started as, like, arguably, like, a meme singer, you know? Like, Old Town Road is a, it's a gag. Like, it's, it's not a legit, like, it is a legit song, but you know what I mean? It's, it's almost like a parody. Like, I don't know. And then now that's his whole vibe like all his music now it slaps he he really uses the internet to its full extent and like the marketing it's unreal like how much he speaks the language of gen z and the importance of that like if you blow up on tiktok it's like instant streams and that's so crazy to me for the release of his debut album montero lil nas x used social media to promote the birth of his new album and he posted a number of videos and short clips that promoted this birth. One, two, three, push! My it's beautiful. God. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's already Grammy nominated. He's shown how important the virality of music has become. And with the rise of TikTok and social media platforms, it's changed the world of the music industry. Even in the three and a half years that Kyla's been at Universal, there's been a shift in how music is promoted and released. I think it's been changing. Like, it's definitely changed since I first started. But like, and that's crazy to even say because I've only been there for three and a half years. But um, it made sense to me because my background is business school. So I'm like, yeah, why not? Like, why not make the most of this? Like, how do you get people to listen to music? But it was shocking to me at first where it's like, there's so many really talented people in this world, like creating music. And like, it's so scary to think that that doesn't matter anymore, almost. Like there's incredible artists that aren't heard just because they don't have the right resources to put out the right teasing content. And like, but then we have like the same top 40 artists that are just blowing it up because once you get there, it's like you have the resources, you have these pockets and um, people care more about 
the random things you put on social media so you can promote your song. So it's like, it, it was shocking, but also like with anything I that is social media and the way things blow up now, it's like nothing is shocking. The emergence of these viral hits have become important for indie artists as well. Kaylin says that the industry is set up right now to service little moments from artists. Whether that's a single or a live performance on TikTok, the industry can support these little snapshots in the hope that a song gains virality online. Basically, it's the notion of if something's going to blow up, it'll probably blow up with one song. It'll probably be one hook that people are obsessed with. Um, it'll probably be one uh, riff that someone heard in a TikTok, and then the TikTok went viral, and all of a sudden this person's on the cover of Indie All-Stars uh, kind of thing. So I, I, I think a lot of the drive towards putting out singles, I think, is kind of in the name of giving artists every possible chance they have to catch a wave. It's almost like a lottery, and if you put out singles, you're basically giving yourself more darts to throw at that lottery board. Whereas if you put out one album without doing any sort of lead-up singles to it, or any sort of additional promotion, um, you can probably pitch one of those songs to playlists. Um, and that's ultimately what it comes down to, is the playlists are driving a lot of listeners' uh, like listening habits. Kaylin says that a song essentially loses half of its power to an audience or label the moment an artist releases it. And with playlist driving listening habits, artists don't need to release a cohesive 12-song album anymore for it to become mainstream. All they're looking for is eyes and ears on these little moments and snapshots to make as much hype as possible on social media before they put out new music. Yeah, no, I feel like it's it's that whole thing. It's like you try a bunch of things until one hits. And that's like kind of the mentality around TikTok because um, there's no loyalty on that app. It's like you're scrolling, you're scrolling and it's viral video after viral video. So somebody can post eight times a day and not even think twice about it because people aren't living on your profile. People are living on this explore page where there's a million, like thousands, billions of videos so you can post whatever you want until one picks up. So you can post the same video almost with different sound bites of your song until one of the videos works and then just get rid of the other ones and there you go. And it's crazy. It's so crazy how that works. And I think that um, like what you said, like it's not cohesive because it doesn't have to be. It's like, as long as one works, it's gonna work. And that's so nuts to me. <laughs> There are a lot of popular songs that you can hear on like a lot of Spotify playlists right now that are that that basically just came from someone like saying a few words or maybe playing something on their acoustic guitar on TikTok um, or doing like a tiny snippet of how they wrote a song or something. But like the song isn't even out yet and no one knows when it will be or what's going on. That kind of hype that like, oh, what is this? When's it coming? Um, how can I hear more? Oh, I can't yet oh my God, that makes me want to hear more, even more. Um, it, it really like drives a bit of a, a hype train that, that you can really take advantage of such that when the song is released, there are as many people as possible listening to it right away, which helps in a lot of reasons. It helps obviously get ears on your music. It helps get your music in front of people who would have otherwise seen it. It helps indicate to the algorithm, uh, the, the big almighty algorithm that your music is maybe perhaps worth promoting and things like daily mixes and discover weeklies and just general radios. Like an artist of ours, Valley, um, a few months, like during the pandemic, they wrote a song 
with their friends and they put up a little like teaser of it on TikTok and they're like, we just wrote this song and like they sang a few bars of it. And the whole song came together because TikTok was like, we need this song, we need this song. So then we got to watch the artists like create the song via TikTok. Like every few days they would put up updates and they're like, we wrote more lines and this and that. And then now it's like when that song was released, it, it was their biggest song. And like instantly we filmed a video for it. And like now streams are trickling into other songs because people know them as this band that wrote this song. And now they have a social following too. So works both ways. <laughs>For me personally, I know that if I don't know what to listen to, I know that I can click on one of like five or six playlists that I generally really like, and I can click shuffle, and I will almost always be handed something I've never heard before um, by an artist I maybe don't recognize, and I will probably like it because it's in the spot, it's in the bucket of things that are like the other things that I like. Um, so it, the whole, the playlist ecosystem is really, it's ultimately, I guess you could kind of look at it as a win-win for artists and for listeners because artists are being given more of a platform to have their songs heard by other people and we the other people uh get to hear a bunch of music we wouldn't have otherwise heard so i think yeah it's definitely influenced my my habits being on the business side of things kyla told me that she enjoys silence more than ever now but when she is listening to music she's also seen her listening habits change from the album to playlists I, I feel like for me, when I listen to albums front to back, it's all things that came out like a long, like not long time ago, but like 20 pre 2016 or things I listened to as a kid, like old Blink-182 and stuff like that. But when it comes to new music, I find that again, it's like, I don't really have loyalty to certain artists anymore. It's like, you have one good song. I'm going to put that one good song on my playlist and I think that's the difficult thing is I think I'm not the only one that has that listening habit now. So growing an artist becomes increasingly hard because how do you differentiate an artist from just being one song? But yeah, that's actually crazy. I'm like thinking about it now. I'm very much a playlist person. <laughs> Kyla says that the rise of social media means that audiences want artists to be an influencer as well. Fans get to see every aspect of an artist's life. And they expect that behind the scenes content all of the time. I think it gives people a little more opportunity to have extra things to hold on to. Cause like, I guess when we're growing up, like our music, it's just like, we just listen to good songs. We don't know who these people are. We get like a poster, put it on our wall, but like we never get a deeper look. So I feel like back then, like a behind the scenes video was so meaningful to us and it was like so in depth and whatever. And now it's just like another part of the marketing plan. It's like, we need this piece, this piece, this piece, and everybody's entitled to know everything about your life now versus back then it was like, wow, like, I feel like I know this person. And now it's like, that's the expectation. One of the artists Kyla works with is Johnny Orlando. With 6.3 million followers on Instagram and over 630,000 followers on Spotify, He's one of the fastest growing pop stars in Canada. But Kyla says that there are growing pains in trying to become the next big thing. He's like teen pop sensation, <laughs> young kid, uh, lots of Instagram and TikTok followers. Like he, 
he was famous as like a YouTube cover artist and like an influencer first. So making that jump to artist has definitely come with its struggles and will continue to because um, people that found him a long time ago as like a young kid influencer have to relearn who he is because kids grow up. And I think that's, that's a difficult thing because like a lot of people in our generation, like looked at Justin Bieber for a long time. were like, ew, Justin Bieber cringe until he grew up. And like that transition was huge. And I'm, nobody wants to follow that path because he went, he went off the rails there and like this guy got arrested. Like he went the wrong way with it, but it's still making that jump from being internet famous to a legit artist is difficult. It's very difficult. <laughs> For copyright reasons, I can't play you a Johnny Orlando song. But Kyla told me that with everything they do, their team at Universal is always thinking about the branding of the artist and making sure that it's in tandem with the music. There's an A&R that works on the project that's basically like, does this song fit the brand? Is this song going to be like what you want to say for the next amount of time? And then with that, it's like you work with the marketing team and it's like, so how do we make this known to other people? Like, how do we tell them this story that's like, this is your sound now, but what else does that mean? Like, what opportunities does this sound bring you? Like, is it brand partnerships? Like, are, are you getting new audience because now you're singing about like older stuff? Like, instead of kid pop music, like maybe you're singing about like drugs <laughs> or whatever. And it's like, how do you make that marketable? Um, and I feel like it's completely in tandem now. Like when you're releasing a song, it's not just like, oh, we want to put this out. The song's done. It's like the song's done. And then it doesn't get heard by people for like six months because we're like, okay, now we need a music video. And now we need to shoot BTS in this music video. And then we need to shoot the content that teases the music video. And then all the trailers that come along with it. And then like a TikTok that like puts out a demo from months ago when you first wrote the song so that people are even excited and ask you for the video not knowing that you already filmed the video it's like such a it's a roadmap now which is so crazy like because artists will sit on their songs for like two years before they go out and it's like this has been done but here you go this is what I sounded like <laughs> with all that extra demand for content it can be tough for the artist when they always have to have a persona available to the public I feel for them because it's it's like they're entitled to each other's like privacy now. You know what I mean? Like fans kind of feel like they're owed these pieces of info about a person just because it's been shared once or whatever that there's, there's almost like, I'll make an example. Like his recent song is called You're Just Drunk. And he's an 18 year old, like he's a teenager and whatever. And like, he'll have younger fans that are like, I can't believe you would sing about this. And like, you're such a bad influence now. And it's so crazy to me that it's like, damn, like you can't even live your life like a normal teenager without um, getting flamed for it. And that's so crazy. <laughs> like what, like the shit that we did at 18? Oh my God, like this guy's a saint. <laughs> For Kyla, branding is essential for any artist to make it in today's environment and gain a following. 
as new artists, you can't just be an artist. You almost have to be an influencer too. And like everything is about brand power and like you can't just make good songs anymore because everybody makes good songs. It's kind of like getting a job out of school. It's like everybody goes to school now, like everybody goes to university, like that doesn't set you apart. Like you also need like the emotional intelligence and this and that and brand that comes with you. So like with actors and artists now, it's like, what else do you bring to the table other than your music? Like if you're an influencer on the side, it's like, damn, like this person's going to get us streams. And like in the eyes of a label, like that's money. So This branding is no different for indie artists. For Kaylin and Best Friend, they want to make sure that the connection to their fans is in everything they do. So they feel like they're part of the process. Stacy and I both being very um, loud people, <laughs> loud, high personality kind of people, um, we've sort of from the beginning really leaned into the notion that it is, it's a band, but it's also, it's the two of us. It's, it's us together. Um, and it's just as much the two of us as it is one thing. And we've intentionally tried to focus on, well, not focus on, but re- really make sure that we've given our, given ourselves enough space to be ourselves as individuals as well, publicly, um, as well as fronting as just a band. And I think taking that sort of approach has really led to more of a personalized form of sort of communication with the people who listen to us and the people who follow us on on social media and stuff, which sort of lets people feel a little bit more involved. Um, it's less of you're speaking to an entity and more of you're, you're dealing with two individual people. And I think there can be power in that. Because Kaylin lives in Toronto and Stacy lives in Vancouver, they've had to adapt to creating music remotely. But with the internet, they've been able to make it work. We basically speed ran got getting to know each other and got down right to like vote. There's a certain level of vulnerability that you need in songwriting, um, which is just obvious. You're writing about yourself and your life, right? So when we started, it, it did not take us long at all to get to a point where we were comfortable kind of like just talking about absolutely whatever, writing about absolutely whatever, um, and really getting to like the meat of what we wanted to say really quickly. And I think that wouldn't have been nearly as easy to do if we weren't speaking almost exclusively over the internet, because it's a lot easier to say something weird and sad and emotional if you just have to present her versus just like, versus like saying it to someone across the room to you. So their process is very iterative. It's a lot of sending things to one person, tweaking it, then waiting for the other person's feedback. So let's say if like the average is Stacy bringing a couple of choruses or like a chorus and a couple of verses uh, of a song that she might have written on acoustic guitar, I can take that and I'll flesh it out a little bit into what I think might be an appropriate song structure or what might uh, what what might kind of work best in terms of flow and some some sounds I'm thinking that might work with uh, with her acoustic, given that I'm I'm, I'm adding production. Um, and she'll kind of vibe with it or not vibe with it. And we'll kind of pick a direction based on that. And once we feel comfortable moving forward with something, we'll drive forward and it'll be, um, iteration after iteration, like 30 to 50 tries probably of just us trying little things and sending them back and forth to each other and slowly, slowly building something that we're proud of very slowly. And to get a sense of how this process works, Kaylin was kind enough to share an early demo of one of their songs off their new EP. The song is called For Grace After a Party, and it started with Stacy sending Kaylin a rough verse of the song. Here's a clip of the demo. Well, wait. I read so you can read it. 
So that's what they had to work with, and they turned that into this. years ago when we started out we had this like we thought it was very cool that we wrote everything entirely remotely and we we're like oh no one's really doing this we're we're doing this without going into a room together we're writing from opposite sides of the country in our own homes this is this is rare and then the pandemic hit and everyone had to learn how to do that and there went our little advantage of, of knowing how to do that um it's I think the pandemic really fast forwarded a lot of industries in terms of how people kind of talk and work together or work with each other. And yeah, the music industry is no different. It's it's really kind of shown people that like you can do sessions, you can do songwriting sessions, you can do um, production sessions, you can do whatever you want really over a Zoom call. The pandemic created a new environment where studio sessions don't have to be done with everyone in the same room. And for Kylan Universal, They've noticed this too. I feel like it's cool because um, you get to collaborate in new ways. It's it's definitely difficult because there is an energy about being in a studio together. Um, but I do think it's cool that now we didn't, I feel like it was considered before, but it was just kind of like, no, we'll like go out and meet these people in studio. But I think now it's more normal to be like, let's just bring everyone into a room. And if they can't be there, we can Zoom them. And I think it's even more opportunity now to work with more different people. But the pandemic has also pushed the demand for even more content to be created. During the pandemic, when everything was locked down, it was like, how do we stay interesting without being on tour, without um, having all these photo shoots and music videos to put out because we're stuck inside, we can't do these things. And we were actually more busy because we were creating, we had to be more creative with, with what we could do. Um, like putting out more visual assets of like animated videos, finding more illustrators and like, how do you do a quarantine video without it being cheesy? And like all this stuff, we were actually creating more content because there was less life to live. <laughs> Kyla says that the pandemic has reduced the perfectionism that was around in the industry and it has allowed people to just try new things. And for Kyla, it doesn't look like the artist influencer is going anywhere anytime soon. I think now you get to try, like you get to make that weird video of you playing a random soundbite on TikTok and then asking people like, yo, do you like this? And if it blows up, then make the song. Like right now is such a great time for trial and error because there's there doesn't need to be any ego about it and you could blow up or you could flop and nobody will see it if it flops and that's fine. I mean, I don't think the artist influencer is going away anytime soon. I think if anything, it's it's still growing and it's going to continue to grow. Um, there's 
examples of new artists that are discovered that way every day and they're on the top 40s they're on the radio um i think now is the best time to be a new artist and to to shoot for it if you're going to do it you might as well do it now and learn how to use these tools to your advantage um but i do i do worry about the value of an album you know like i i don't know where that's going to go and i think that we are living in like a single or ep world now because the attention spans are just getting shorter and shorter i think that we are going to continue to see quick rising stars and hopefully they don't fall off and hopefully they know how to continue to ride the wave but it's uh it's going to be interesting i think we're going to see a lot of new stars <laughs> that come out of nowhere but if you're on TikTok, you know that they're coming. So try away. For Kyla, now's the time to take the leap. Because you never know. Your song might end up being the next big thing on TikTok. It, it makes it a lot easier to do the thing that everyone likes to do, which is be the first one of well, a group of your friends who knows of a band. But everyone loves to be that person, like the, the one who lets people in on a little bit of a secret. Um, and ultimately, that's almost what the whole industry is doing right now, trying to just be the first person letting you know about a little secret. Um, and that sort of just cascades down. The curators do it, and then it gets on the playlist, and then it's on the playlist, and you hear it, and then you do it to your friends, and then your friends tell them, and you're like, ha-ha, I showed you that band, and it's it's a whole thing. Cool. Yeah. So that's it. With everything in our world today, the push to digital has intensified the high-risk, high-reward nature of the music industry. Looks like for the time being, playlists and TikTok aren't going anywhere. So maybe that's bad news if you're an album lover, or if you like to listen to your Walkman staring at glow-in-the-dark stars on the ceiling. All I know is that for me, I just hope that interesting, creative people continue to make great music. My name is Andrew, and thanks for listening. Take care. Up the fence This episode of Unraveled was produced by Andrew Oliphant. Our associate producer is Taha Hashmani and our executive producer is Elena Duluigi. Special thanks to John Powers for composing our theme music and Ben Shelley for creating our podcast artwork. Our professor is Amanda Capito, and special thanks to Lindsay Hanna and Angela Glover.